to you from the AT&T Podcast Studio. This is Long Story Short. I'm Ted Struley, the Executive Director at Oklahoma Watch. We're a statewide nonprofit news organization that specializes in investigative reporting. You're listening to our weekly podcast, which lets you hear directly from our journalists as they provide deeper insight into their recently published stories. Reporter Paul Monies wrote about some problems uncovered by the legislature's budget watchdog and is spending at a state agency that handles technology purchases and other back office functions for many state agencies. Paul, why are lawmakers concerned about this particular agency? Yes, this is about the Office of Management and Enterprise Services. And it's basically lawmakers have been worried about kind of its exploding budget in the last few years. Um, Its appropriations have tripled in the last five years, and then it charges fees to other agencies for types of services, uh, enterprise and office uh, functions, um, and they've also almost tripled, too, in the last five years. So there's a lot of concern about where the money is going and what this agency is doing with it. Now, in your story, you described the Office of Management and Enterprise Services as a super agency. How long has it been around? Yeah, it's been around about a dozen years now. Um, lawmakers in, in 2008, 2009, 2010 time period had a succession of bills that kind of formed this uh, agency from five different state agencies before uh, that covered kind of state uh, information technology services, uh, financial and budget transparency issues among all agencies, and then also risk management and property management as well. Uh, and also another part they do, they handle the uh, health insurance for state employees as well. So it's kind of been pushed together and come under the purview view of uh, a a secretary and uh, an executive director uh, under the governor as well. Now, the uh, budget watchdog had several recommendations for lawmakers. What were some of those suggestions? That's right. Yeah, they issued this about 75-page report from the Legislative Office of Fiscal Transparency, and they basically had about 20 or so recommendations for lawmakers to consider in the next legislative session that would kind of clean up the agency, some of the lines of reporting that may have been a little murky, uh, and also in terms of uh, maybe splitting off the budget function that oversees all the state agency budgets, but also their own budget. There were some concerns about transparency in how it it, uh, kind of analyzes its own budget, too. Now, what do agencies that get services from OMES say about their experience? Yeah, so the authors of this loft report, they took a survey and and sent it out to all the agency directors that have services uh, that come from OMES. And the results were not great, unfortunately. Um, You know, they basically said that the the agency was not as responsive as they had hoped uh, to a lot of problems that they were having when they provide services and basically gave them pretty tough marks uh, for kind of services and responsiveness. One of the things you mentioned uh, in your story was uh, had to do with OMES paying its own bills to some of the technology vendors. Tell us about that. That's right. Yeah, there's a state law out there that kind of – the goal is to, to pay vendors uh, that contract with the state within 45 days. Uh, the state auditor looked at this issue for OMES back in 2019, 2020, issued a report saying they had to do a better job. Um, back then, it was a you know percentage that they could make within that 45-day per, uh, period was about 60-something percent. Uh, it's not fared much better since then. The loft people kind of replicated that, that methodology, did the same type of pooling of invoices and how long they've been sitting around not being paid, uh, and it hasn't really improved much. And so, um, you know, by its own admissions, OMES said it needs to do a better job, but at the same time, it says that it's asking agencies for the money for the contract sometimes. So sometimes its delays are pushed by the agencies themselves where they're getting their fees from. 
And now the agency spent a lot of the federal pandemic relief money on technology projects and upgrades. Uh, how did that become a concern? That's right. Yeah, the, the pandemic exposed a lot of uh, weaknesses in the state's infrastructure, especially on the technology side. Um, you know, the aging systems at several state agencies kind of ran into problems. Most likely you kind of saw that a lot with the unemployment checks at the Employment Security Commission, the long lines of people around there that were relying on an age system that had been in place for 40-something years. Um, it couldn't handle the influx of new claims. And then, you know, the state didn't have a, a logical backup center outside of Oklahoma that made sense. And so they spent a lot of CARES Act money from the federal government to uh, set up a new center down in Texas called TX1. Um, and then they said at that time, it'd just be one-time cost. There wouldn't be any recurring expenses. Unfortunately, as we've come you know, out of the pandemic three or four years later, uh, there are recurring costs for those data centers and backups. And the state is also uh, kind of transitioned to more of a, a laptop technology for its employees. There's also recurring costs that were not forecast then too. So lawmakers are not happy about that. What did some of the lawmakers say about the changes they think are needed at OMES? Yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of concern, especially about the late payments of bills. One of the lawmakers said, look, how can I explain to my constituents? Uh, we have a state agency that has a function. They can't pay their bills on time. We expect all of our constituents to, to take care of their own financial stuff. How come this is not happening at the state level? So there was some consternation about that. And also they said, look, we've got to take a look at this. Um, and also with the realization that, you know, the, the folks at OMES said, look, we don't really care how we're, we're funded. Um, we've identified the needs. The legislature has agreed that those needs are there. Uh, if you want to fund us or set us up in a different way, uh, that's fine with us. They were fairly agnostic in terms of what might come out of this study. But we can definitely see that there's some legislation being developed uh, in the next session to kind of make some changes at the super agency. All right. Well, thanks, Paul. You can read all of Paul's coverage of uh, the report on OMES and all his other work covering uh, state government. You'll find it on our website, OklahomaWatch.org. Jennifer Palmer covers education at Oklahoma Watch. For her latest Education Watch newsletter, she analyzed the most recent school report card data. Jennifer, what were the main takeaways? So the main things to know about the statewide scores are, you know, the reading and math really hasn't changed that much. We're talking like 1%, um, you know, up or down. But um, also kids are just missing way too much school. Well, math is one of the main subjects that's uh, tested. How did Oklahoma students fare in math? Overall, um, and these are for kids in third through eighth grade. That's what we're we're looking at here. Those are the tested grades um, across the state. The proficiency rate went up by one percent in math compared to last year. And how about uh, English, language arts, another core subject? How'd they do there? Now those scores decreased um, again one percent. So across the state, uh, fewer students are proficient in English language arts. And uh, how do we define proficient? What does that mean in these uh, grades? Yeah, that's a big source of confusion for a lot of people. Um, I, I think of it as like um, scoring an A um, in a class. Um, so it's, it's kids that um, can do all of the things they're expected to do really well. All right. So uh, this is the second year of data since the COVID-19 pandemic. How well are students doing uh, getting caught up after the pandemic? 
Um, so we're still behind, definitely. Um, when you look at proficiency rates um, in 2019, which was the last year of data that we have pre-pandemic, um, and and by you know a, a significant amount, I mean we're talking eight percent fewer students are proficient in English language arts than were before the pandemic, six uh, percent fewer in math, and four percent fewer in science. So your next takeaway. Uh maybe explains that slow recovery a little bit. Your story or your newsletter mentioned that uh, kids are missing an awful lot of school. What does the data say about that absenteeism? That's right. I mean, one of the, um, you know, subjects that we measure for these report cards is absenteeism um, or attendance. And the way we do that is through chronic absenteeism. So all schools get a grade based on how many kids are missing 10% or more of the school years, how that's defined. Um, and that um, is still really, really high. Um, it's it's much higher now than it was pre-pandemic. Um, we're talking 20% of kids, so one in five across the state are missing that much school. And when you look at demographic groups, um, which the report card lets us do, um, some, you know, demographic categories are even higher than that, uh, much higher, um, you know, looking at 24% of Hispanic students are missing too much school, 25% of low-income students, and 31% of Black students are, are missing that much school. Well, how does that compare to other states? That's actually better than other states, believe it or not. Oklahoma is um, a, a doing significantly better than the national average where 30% of kids are chronically absent in this last year. Now, you're mostly looking at this data through a statewide lens, but you know, parents and other uh, people that are interested can look at individual schools or districts if they want to, can't they? Right. I mean, that's really what these uh, school report cards are set up to do is kind of look at your own um, school district and drill down in some of these categories, look at um, different demographic groups, which is a way that our state checks for, um, you know, disparities or, um, you know, something that the school needs to improve on or, or work on. All right. Well, thanks, Jennifer. You can read all of Jennifer's education coverage around Oklahoma on our website, oklahomawatch.org. While you're there, you can also subscribe to her weekly newsletter, Education Watch. Sean Witt is the Director of Audience Development at Oklahoma Watch, and uh, we're in the period between November 1st and December 31st. And Giving Tuesday is coming up this week. Why is that important to Oklahoma Watch, Sean? Well, we, like you said, we're in the middle of our fall news match campaign where uh, we any donations between now and the end of the year will be matched through news match up to $13,000. Uh, so if, say for instance, you donate now, uh, you're going to be matched uh, your donation up to $1,000. We also have a new partner this year, the Arnall Family Foundation, which has also agreed to match any of your donations up to $1,000. So we have a chance to earn up to $39,000 this year. Um, and as you said, uh, Giving Tuesday um, is, what, you know, it's, it's a national uh, movement for all uh, non-for-profits where they try to uh, make it a special day to seek donations. We're actually going to call it Giving News Day since we are in the news business, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it's going to be on the 29th. I'm looking forward to it. 
Okay, so uh, Newsmatch is something Oklahoma Watch has participated in for a number of years now. That's a national campaign. It's funded by the Miami Foundation, uh, and that every year the cap changes, right? The the maximum you can get uh, from the Miami Foundation during Newsmatch is a different number. This year, you mentioned it's. $13,000 is their limit. Uh, are there any bonuses involved this year? This year, uh, we do have a bonus available to us if we get 50 new donations. Uh, that's if you're brand new, I've never donated to Oklahoma Watch. Uh, if we get 50 new donations, we'll get an extra $500, which match that with the Arnell Foundation. We're going to get a $1,000 bonus. And you mentioned a, a one thousand dollar limit. Is that uh, the the maximum an individual can donate that they'll match? Is that what that means? No, that's 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 as much as they're going to match. Somebody can walk in with a five thousand dollar check, and we're going to pat you on the back and give you a big hug. But the but the Newsmatch organization is only going to match a thousand dollars of that five thousand dollar donation. All right. Well, let's say somebody uh, maybe doesn't want to write a big check all at once. They'd rather uh, give a credit card number and have a recurring monthly donation, kind of like yeah. a newspaper subscription yeah. from the old days. How how does that work with the match? So that's uh, that's the nice thing about the Newsmatch organization. We get to count that full year uh, for for the Newsmatch campaign. So say, for instance, you donate ten dollars starting now uh, through the end of the year. Um, we get to count one hundred and twenty. $20 uh, of that goes towards our Newsmatch campaign. All right. So if uh, somebody donated uh, 50 bucks a month, that counts as a $600 contribution toward the matching. We get another 600 from the Miami Foundation, 600 more from the Arnall Family Foundation. That becomes uh, an $1,800 donation to Oklahoma Watch because somebody uh, pledged $50 a month. Did I get the math right? You got it right. Going going through with my head cold going right now, that sounds about right. I'm not going to argue with you. All right. And um, when does the period expire for the matches? It's now through the end of the year. So December 31st is the last day of the Newsmatch campaign. And uh, how can people donate if they would like to support Oklahoma Watch and our nonprofit investigative news? It's very easy. It's just go to oklahomawatch.org forward slash donate. And credit cards, checks, cash. Credit cards, sure. You can you can uh, you can use your credit card online if you'd like to mail in a check. Feel free to do us that as well. You can find our address on the on the website. It's 100 West Main in Oklahoma City. That's Suite 202, and that zip code is 73102. All right, John. Well, thanks so much for coming in today. Uh, good luck with Newsmatch, and we uh, look forward to. Uh, the donations rolling in and getting tripled thanks to the Miami Foundation and the Arnall Family Foundation. Sounds great. You've been listening to Long Story Short, a weekly podcast that helps you get deeper into the investigative stories reported by Oklahoma Watch, which you can find on the web at oklahomawatch.org. This episode was recorded at the AT&T Podcast Studio. For Oklahoma Watch, I'm Ted Struley. Thanks for listening.